Praise God. Are you ready for some word today? Yes. All right. If you have a Bible or your Bible apps, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. <laughs> I started a new series uh, seven, six rounds ago called Fight Training. This will be the seventh part of this series. Everybody ready to fight? Yes. Come on, let's do this today. First Timothy chapter 6, this is our text, so if you think you already know it, that's fine, know it more. Uh, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So all of us are called to fight. This is not a passive experience, meaning our life, our relationship with God or Christianity. There is an adversary. We will be attacked. There will be obstacles along the way. They didn't come from God. They came from the enemy, come from the adversary. Uh, therefore, uh, we must learn how to fight. We can't just say, Father, take these problems away, make all these obstacles go away from me. No, he requires that we participate in our victory. Jesus provided the essence of it, but we walk it out by faith. We live by faith. We believe God's word above our circumstances, above every feeling, and above every other contrary opinion, even if it originates with ourselves. It's a faith fight. If it's a faith fight, that means it's based on God's word. Remember Romans 10, 17 reads, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of, word of God. So I can't win a faith fight unless I have God's word in me. Unless I know his will, unless I, can, unless I hear the word of God and act on it. That's where my, uh, my fighting ability comes from, okay? In other words, if I don't spend much time in the word of God, I shouldn't deceive myself into thinking it's there in abundance. Sometimes it's lodged up in our memory. I quote a few scriptures. But to really live a faith life and to fight the good fight of faith, it has to be in abundance within you. All right? It has to be, uh, what do you call that? Muscle memory, like with different sports and things. Uh, in the airplane, it's you know, rudder skills and stick and rudder skills. You know, learning, learning how to land without bouncing the airplane, that kind of stuff. Uh, you, you, get, you, you get used to doing it. You're not going to stay skilled in the faith arena without a continual infusion of God's Word. That's just how it works. Praise God. It's why some people have had enough with going to church and not hearing the Word of God taught strongly. Because they realize when the day of trouble comes, I'm ill-equipped. I'm unprepared to overcome. So we must be wise, put ourselves in position where we hear the, the necessary words from God that are going to put us over in life. Praise God. And what you hear today will pre prepare you for victory tomorrow. What you heard before is enabling you to overcome today. If someone says, well, I'm not overcoming. Well, my first response would be to say, well, what were you listening to? What words were in abundance prior to today in your heart? So we can't go back and change what was, but we can live today with the necessary ability, spiritual empowerment and equipment from God to win right where we are and, and, and of course, prepare our future. Now, uh, one of the things 
that we have to commit to in this regard is, is the purity of God's word. Okay, it, We have to avoid every temptation to alter it, change it, water it down. We, we, we learn to follow instructions to the T. Our commitment is to hear exactly what he wants, precisely. You know, the scriptures talk about the perfect will of God over in, in Romans chapter 12. Well, if something can be perfect, there can be an imperfect will of God. There can be partial. I seek to know. I'm not saying I have perfect knowledge. I don't. But I seek to be precise in my teaching. I seek to be perfectly accurate. That's my goal and my desire. And it ought to be within all of us to think that way. I want to have right beliefs. I don't want to, I don't want to embrace the concept that, that, well, none of us can really know. There are so many beliefs out there. How can you ever know if you have the right one? See, that's a passive uh, uh, approach to truth. And it's one that will surely get you knocked out in the, in the battle. All right. There's a commitment that says God is big enough to get the truth to me. If I seek him, he can, he has the ability and the want to, to reveal to me everything I need to know to put me over in life. All right. And it, so it's the commitment to the purity of God's word. And, and even, even when the word of God is so good that some people have a tough time believing it. I'm not talking about watering down in, in this regard where, where we're trying to compromise our walk, but rather some struggle with this. The promises of God are so amazing, so over the top, abundantly profitable for us that the religious brain struggles with that. They want to back off from it and say, oh no, don't take that too far. Well, if you, my, my Bible tells me in Ephesians 3 that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. That means if I can think of it, he's going to blow that away. I think he kind of wants it to be that way. And so it would be incorrect for our mentality to be, oh, God doesn't want to bless you too much. He wants to kind of keep you at bay and hold you in a little bit of pain. Keep you in a little bit of lack so you'll keep trusting him. Say, well, isn't that a thing? Maybe that's why God hasn't given me that promotion. Maybe why he hasn't given me that new job. He, he, know, he knows that if I get that, then I'll start trusting myself and, and I'll just be too worldly. So he's not going to give it to me. Then why is he giving it to a whole bunch of worldly people that don't even care about him? That's not the way he works. Otherwise, he would keep everybody poor. He's not. That's why he would keep everyone in a little bit of pain. Yet some people are completely healthy. I guess God doesn't love them. No, he does. It's just not him that's keeping people in a limited experience. He's trying to run their cup over. He's trying to give them more than enough. It is the religious mentality that puts limitations on God's blessings. Remember, the psalmist wrote that, uh, that, that Israel uh, limited the Holy One, uh, the Holy, Holy, how does it say it? Holy One of Israel. So I knew the word Israel was not in there twice. But they limited the whole, they limited God. And, and, and that, I know that's a new concept for some. You can't limit God. He's, un, he's limitless. Well, he is in himself limitless. But his activities towards us are conditioned upon what we can believe. 
And so again, the, the temptation to restrict God, to put say it's, it's less than. Where do we get that? Sometimes we get it from our own experience. This is, my, this is what I've experienced. So we attach a theology, a belief system that matches our experience, which is a good way to water everything down. Okay, because I don't think you're going to find a, a human being that knows everything that experiences the fullness of God in all ways. I don't want to make them my standard. I still want to make God's promise the standard. Amen. Instead of squishing his promises into my mold of failure, I want to take my life and put it into his promise, his expansive, unlimited, all faithful promise to me Amen. that takes the lid off of my life. Everybody with me today? Uh, over in, in, in Genesis, it, it reveals that God created us uh, in his image. In our, in, he said, let us create man in our image and, and according to our likeness. See, what's the temptation then? It's always opposite of what God said. It's, instead of us being in his image, we want to create God in our image. Now, obviously, we don't actually create God, but we can create an image of him in our own minds. And if our image of God is after our own experience or after our tradition or background or, or, or religion, we might very well create a God that is very small or very small, very small towards us. We'll limit his love, his faithfulness, his power. And at the end result, we serve a God that we're comfortable with, but it's so far beneath the level of what he wanted it to be. Everybody with me today? See, we're talking about fighting the good fight of faith, which is based on the word of God, which is the revealer of who God is. And we must keep it pure. We must keep it precise. And if he says abundantly, we should say, whoa, yes. You know, it's like when, uh, when the, the angel appeared to Mary, the mother of Jesus, the earthly mother of Jesus, and, and told her about what the plan was. And, uh, and how many know that was exceeding abundantly above all you could ever ask or think? She wasn't ever thinking of that. What would it be like if I could be the mother of God? <laughs> uh, but her response to it was appropriate. Her head, I'm sure, was spinning. What? But she said her response was, be it unto me according to your word. And that's what we can do. We can say, I don't know anyone who's ever been healed of this. Nevertheless, be it unto me according to his word. Amen. I don't know anyone who, I mean, I've messed my life up so much. I don't know anyone who's ever turned a situation like this around. Amen. Nevertheless, Come on. be it unto me according to your word. Amen. We find the promise and we make uh, our beliefs line up with it rather than anyone we've ever known. Come on. Come on. That's good. That's good. Everybody with me today? Yeah. Sometimes I, I think there are compromises that sneak into our faith statements. I, I remember one guy say, he, he would commonly say this, uh, and I like the guy, he's an awesome person, but he would say this and I'd go, eh, uh. and, and he, would, he would describe healing and say, just because uh, someone didn't get healed does not mean that God doesn't still heal today. And I would analyze the statement and think, well, yes, that's a true statement, but yet I still didn't like it. You know why I didn't like it? You know why I don't like that statement? I think it's too weak. To, to tell people and proclaim God still heals today is not going to get anybody healed. Because they're still going to say, oh yeah, that's cool for someone somewhere at some time. They might get it, but what about me? 
There's no absolute. There's no, there's no conviction in that. That said that Jesus paid a price for everybody and you can have it right here, right now, today. There's no believe that I receive. It's just, I believe theoretically, you know, it's possible. God might still do it somewhere, somehow, in some way. That's not strong enough to get results. If you're going to get results from God, it has to be strong. There has to be solid conviction that puts it in, in, in the real existence of your life. When I think about uh, gifts of the Spirit, you know, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the nine gifts of the Spirit, one of the very common phrases used about that, again, is a true statement, but it, it, it lacks a little bit of punch in my, in my mind. It's, it's, it's the statement that these all are made manifest or these all happen as the Spirit wills. Actually, the scripture says that they are distributed as the spirit wills, but they change that a little bit, that it all happens as the spirit wills. Here's the, here, here's the problem, in my opinion, is that that puts the blame on God for nothing happening. I mean, if we don't have any gifts of the spirit, any manifestations of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our services, then why didn't you do it, God? You must not have wanted to, it to happen or you would have made it happen. But back up from that for just a moment. Is that really correct? Is it, is it really true that we want God to move? That we're doing it right, but he just doesn't want to? Like we see people who are hurting, people who are suffering, and we want to deliver the, the power of God to them, but God is holding back? Like we like people more than he does. More compassion. See, that's not true at all. God really wants to do more than, we, than all of us do. And if we ever see a lack of God moving in our lives, in our church, uh, we ought not say, God, God, why not? It's, it's on you. How about we say, Lord, teach me. If you'll give me a word, I'll believe it. Uh, how about we say, Lord, show me how to adapt and yield and, and give more place to your spirit. Because I know what Jesus died for. I know how much you know. It's like everything. I know we can do this. So help me in, help me in this. Yeah. When it comes to people's needs being met, I, I, I've heard this statement. Um, the Bible promises that God will supply your needs, not your desires. And if someone doesn't know any better, they say, oh, yeah, and I don't really need that. And I don't need that. But that's incorrect. This, we have promises that, that talk about our needs, and we have other promises that speak of our desires. Of what, what we want. John 15, 7, Psalm 37, there's three or four, somewhere in there. They talk about what we want. God wants to give us what we want. See, the, see the, the, the trouble is sometimes we want to make God smaller than that. Well, he's a good God, but he's not that good. No, he really is that good. He really is big enough, strong enough, has big shoulders, and, and, and wants to grant his children not only basic survival things, but also things they enjoy. That's the word of God. Praise God. Would you turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 9? Matthew chapter 9. This is, this is the story of two blind guys that got healed in Jesus' ministry. And I want to point something very specific out to you that has already kind of been the theme of what I'm saying, but now I'll make it known more specifically. 
Verse 27, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Not, not Notice, not son of Joseph, son of David. They're talking about lineage, covenant, so forth. He's the Messiah. And, and, and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Is that a valid question? Is that an important question? Was Jesus just filling in space so we'd have a big enough Bible to carry around? Uh, do you believe that I am able to do this? He asked the, the men this because their answer to it would determine what was going to happen next. If he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do, to do this? Is it possible that he would ask us the same question? As we're seeking him, might he say, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Well, the Lord hasn't changed. The principles that govern God's kingdom have not changed. If he said it to them, he may well say it to us. Everybody with me? Okay. What should our answer be? If he says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? How should you respond to that? You probably ought to respond whatever, with whatever's true. You didn't expect that, did you? I thought, I was, I was, oh man, I was so sure the answer was yes on this one. <laughs> Thing is, if you do believe that, then you should say yes. If you don't believe that and you're going to fake it, he's going to know. <laughs> so it's not about, see, this is not a, like in school, I got the right answer, I get an A. You know, because you might have guessed. Uh, yes, let's go with Yes. You still get the grade. With the Lord, the end result is tied to purity of belief. It's tied to sincerity of, of heart. It's tied to what actually you believe. So if you don't believe it, you might want to tell them, uh, <laughs> help me. Obviously, the ideal answer is yes, and it being true, and that's what they said. Um, they said unto him, they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. According to whose faith? Their, their faith. This is common in Jesus' teaching and ministry that he would specifically point to an individual's faith or their believing as being the reason for the results that they experienced. Okay, if it was according to their faith that they had their blind eyes open, would it also, could we extrapolate from that and say it is also according to our faith the results that we see in seeking things from God? That would be correct. And this is not a, a one-off one incident. That principle it was, is a consistent principle in, in the, the Word of God. But he pointed to the individual's faith. He didn't say it's according to my faith meaning Jesus. He didn't say it's according to my power. He didn't say this is in the divine plan of God. His response was very specific and very accurate that it, they were going to get what they believed. If they would get what they believed, you will get what you believe. I will get what I believe. Amen. Say, well, I believe some things and I just haven't seen them happen. You're going to have to talk to the Lord about that because I'm not going to water this down for you. <laughs> well, 
well, I'm doing everything right and it's still not working. Really? Really, is that the case? Again, you're going to have to talk to the Lord about it. What do you, what do you, what do you want me to say? Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> Let's just go with you. Could you rewrite this thing? And you write in your chapter, sometimes this works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people are totally right and God is totally wrong. <laughs> I don't, I, thank you. I don't mean to say that in a harsh way. I, if someone's suffering, I want to help you not suffer. I want to help you connect with God and get your answer. I'm just saying I don't want to entertain the wrong ideas that really I'm fighting a good fight of faith. And, you know, I have weak punches because I compromise in, in my interpretation of my experience. And we've always got to hold God's word above our experience. Make the, submit, sub, sub, make the experience submit to God's word instead of submitting God's word to our experience. So he said that he said, according to your faith, you can see here that faith is it levels the playing field for all of us. It's the great equalizer. It doesn't matter what your background is, how old you are, how long you've been a Christian. Doesn't doesn't matter, you know, the things that you've accomplished or haven't accomplished. Anyone can believe God. He said it's according to your faith, not according to so many other things. And uh, and any, any one of us can have what we believe. So someone might say, well, what if my faith is weak? If I'm being sincere, being honest and being real with God, I question things. I doubt. I have, I have uh, unbelief. Here, here's the good news. Um, that can be changed. In fact, acknowledging it, I mean, don't acknowledge it every day from here on out because that will feed into it. But to acknowledge, I need to get strengthened in my, in my faith. I need to get built up in God's word in this area of my life. That's a great starting point because now it can change. See, if I, if I look in the mirror and I think, man, I look weak. Well, now I can, I know how there are heavy things you can pick up. You pay a fee every month. They let you pick up their heavy things. <laughs> Doesn't feel like you did much because when you leave, they're all back where they started. But, but you know, I can, I can do something to change my condition. We can, through meditation, through confession of God's word, through acting on God's word or using our faith, all of us can be stronger. We can become more proficient in using this. So unbelief and, or doubt is not a permanent condition. Okay? Everybody who believes, at one time, they didn't believe. At one time, they didn't have it. And now they do. Hallelujah. All right. So things can be strengthened. What it can't be done, what we can't do is fake it, though. Real faith can't be faked. It, there's no put on with God. Again, he sees all and knows all and it has to be sincere and genuine. Uh, sometimes the words we speak can be faked, meaning we, we've learned the lingo. I know how to make a good confession. I know how to quote God's word. And so, so we know how to do that. But some of you, I mean, I don't know if you do this, but odds are some do it. You speak differently in church than you do other places. Right? When someone asks you how you're doing, bless God, I got my answer prepared. I'm blessed and highly favored of God. <laughs> and that's fine if you, if you believe that. If that's coming out of your heart. But sometimes people do that to put on a, a spiritual air about themselves. At home, they're yelling at their spouse. They're 
nitpicking at things and and, nah, 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 nah. and in church, oh, God is good. I just love the Lord. My heart's so full of Him. Shut up. <laughs> we gotta, see, you can, you can fake things sometimes with people. You can't ever fake them with God. And He's the source of our life and every answered prayer and everything we want and need. He's our everything. So we got to be sincere with Him and, and, and keep, keep this real, not just quoting, you know, memorized faith statements. Because the real evidence of, what it's, of what's there, it plays out in the result. With the blind guys, did they really believe? Did they just say, yes, we believe this just because they knew that was the right answer? No, they didn't. They really believed it. How do you know? Their eyes opened. Jesus said, it's unto you according to your faith, and their eyes opened. Those dudes had faith. Those dudes believed in Jesus. Our life is the same way. We look at the result. That defines where we are in faith. Again, sometimes people try to manipulate others. They try to put on an air of spirituality. Uh, sometimes if a guy is dating a girl and she's, she loves God, and he may, you know, pretend to get her. That's dangerous. Sometimes it's, a, it's an air of pride. I want to impress people with how spiritual I am or how much I know. Or uh, I've had situations. I remember one situation. There was a lady who was on her deathbed, and I'd go to see her, and she, made, she said everything right with her, meaning she would speak the word. She was in faith. She was trusting God for a miracle, good statements. But then, but then she died, and, and people told me later, they said, when you weren't there, she didn't, say, she didn't speak the same way. When you, when, you, when you weren't there, she would say what she really believed. And I was saddened. I thought, well, who could have helped her if she'd have been honest? She'd have been real. We would have said, okay, here you are. Let's see how to make a, an advancement from there. See how to take a step forward instead of just got my good confession on. I speak the word. Ultimately, these things, that's why I say ultimately they can't be faked. Paul wrote to Timothy and said the commandment, 1 Timothy 1.5, is love from a pure heart and of a good conscience and from sincere faith. Ultimately, it will be unto us according to our faith, so we must be real with ourselves. If you, have, if you don't have $100 faith, you certainly don't have $1 million faith. That's why it would be important for us to just be real. To put it in those terms. Now... There was, man, help me, Lord. I'm halfway done. And we're on the clock. There was this uh, father in in Jesus' ministry who had this this son that was demon-possessed, and he'd get, have these seizures and get thrown into the fire and the water. It's Mark 9, 21. Let me read it to you. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I want you to notice, the guy tried to put it on Jesus as to what would happen next. And Jesus flipped it right back on him. 
He said, Lord, if you can do anything, no, 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 no. If you can believe is what Jesus said. God still works that way. Lord, Father, if you can do something, help. His response, well, if you can believe that I can help, you'll get my help. The principles of the kingdom still work the same way. We want to put it off on God. It's all up to him whether I get answered or don't answered or get helped or don't have. And he says, no, if you can believe, you'll get everything I am and everything I have and everything I've promised you. So our focus ought to be, okay, I see. I don't need to work on God's side of the equation. I might need to work on my part. And you can see this father, he he wasn't putting on a show for anyone because he acknowledged even the negative. He said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. What does that mean? It looks like he believed any unbelieved. Say, isn't that a contradiction? Well, yeah, but that still was where he was. He had some faith. And it appears to me that that the faith of the Lord Jesus kind of made up the difference. He had enough to get him on the right track, and Jesus stepped in there and helped helped him and and got his, his, his child delivered, but he was still sincere. So think about, if something is according to our faith, it's not according then to our tenure or our length of being a believer. I've been serving God for X number of years. I've been a member of this church since the beginning. I've been, and we we tout our our accomplishment. Mm, That doesn't matter. You've got people like this, and the two people I'm going to tell you about in closing that had no background of a good nature and yet they could still believe. So we don't rest our confidence in us, how long we've been a a Christian. We don't rest it in our stature, our prominence, you know, our position, how, how much we've accomplished in life, how much we've done. Totally irrelevant. Remember, level playing field. It's just, can you believe right here, right now? We don't base it upon our goodness, our perfection, or our performance. These are not the things that lay hold of the power and promises of God. And the two people I wanted to tell you about as an example of that is one, in the the Word of God, her name is Rahab, and she's called Rahab the harlot. Okay? So, first example of faith today, not the first, but in, in this list, a prostitute. All right? She was in the city of Jericho when God sent Israel in to take Canaan's land and you know Joshua did the march and walls came tumbling down Uh, she was the one that met with the spies that they sent in early on and she got in Hebrews chapter 11 which is the 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 list of the hall of famers of faith verse 1131 by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And you could read Joshua chapter 2 and it gives you the account. But here this woman is. She, she doesn't have good morals. She doesn't have a great history or background or, or a, a godly life. What did she have? One thing. One thing. She believed the word, the reports that came from what God did through Israel. She believed God's word. You say, I mean, most of us, if we were God, we would have said, yeah, but look at her life. Yeah, let her prove herself a little bit longer. What God did is he saw her faith and went, nice. Look at that. We're going to save her and her family. Why? Because she was the most upstanding citizen 
of Jericho? No, because she had faith. Tilt. See, we want to base all of God's blessings off off of someone earning it. But, you know, if you're here today and you're a prostitute, this is how you do it. You can believe God and he'll answer you. And he'll save you. And he'll, he'll protect you. He'll help you. Yeah, I've got scripture on it. And if you're not, like I'm not, not even thinking about it. But I'm not going to go up to God, to God based on my performance and say, Lord, I'm not even a prostitute. <laughs> I'm going to say, Lord, you said it in your word. This is what you promised. So I'm, I'm putting my faith in your faithfulness, not in my faithfulness. I'm putting my confidence in your integrity and the integrity of your word, which holds up all things, holds all things together, upholds your kingdom. I believe you. And Rahab got it. The other woman I wanted to tell you about, again, just kind of going quickly today because I went too slow earlier, is in Jesus' ministry, a woman called uh, a Canaanite or the woman from Cana or Mark's gospel calls her the Syrophoenician woman. Okay. She had this demon-possessed daughter. She came to Jesus seeking deliverance for her daughter. Now, this woman, it doesn't give a whole lot of description about her, uh, but she, the place where she was from, when you read other scriptures in, in uh, like Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you find out the characteristics of the Canaanites, the practices they were in. These were wicked folks. And you have to wonder, even from without an explanation, how did this woman's daughter get demon-possessed? I don't completely know, but it makes me wonder, what was going on in the home? I mean, what we allow into our homes can determine what spirits are also welcomed there. You participate with certain demon activity, sinful things, you're inviting the presence of the spirit that enforces that to occupy your space. And sometimes they'll even mess with your children. That's what happened. You read about the Canaanites, they had these, all fake, these fake demon gods. They would sometimes even sacrifice their children to them. They had all kinds of, the Canaanites had all these abhorrent, bizarre sexual practices. They were really, there was a lot of wickedness. You could see why they might have demon trouble. But still, when she came to Jesus, he didn't even call her out on any of that stuff. You can read the whole story, but the essence of it was, was, was this. Uh, Matthew 15, 28, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Her faith overrode everything else. Are we seeing the way God is? This is not permission to be an evil person or have no morals or, or just live an ungodly life. That's not what I'm teaching. That's not what the scriptures are saying. It doesn't matter. It's just saying that no matter what has happened, no matter where someone is, if you will believe God, he will see you. He will respond to you. Your faith in God's word means so much to him Amen. that the other stuff will not disqualify you from the blessing, from the answer, from the victory, from the knockout punch. This is the word of God. Amen. If your faith always wins, which we've taught about previously, then, the, then Satan's only strategy 
is to get us out of faith. One way he can do that is to get us to disqualify ourselves because of our insufficiency, our failure, our lack. I haven't done it long enough. I haven't been good at any one of these things is meant to cause us to think, I'm disqualified. I can't get it. He won't give it to me. So what should we do? We should go to God based upon what he promised, his mercy, his love. Lord, I'm coming to you not according to my own goodness or my own righteousness, but according to your love and great mercy and the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm coming to you based on your covenant and your promise, and I believe you are faithful to your word. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, I do. So what if I don't? Well, again, then get there. You got time. Then get there. By meditating on his word, by reminding yourself of what God said, by thinking about these things and stop disqualifying yourself from God's abundant blessings. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Say it out loud with me today. Say, Father, I believe in you. I believe your word is true. I believe your life in my life is stronger than any death, than any attack than any opposition. I believe that you are faithful to your promise. Your word is something I can count on every time and in every situation. Therefore, I will overcome. I will win in every situation because you have given me the victory through my Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for working in here today, for working in here right now. By the Spirit of the Lord, I thank you that the same Spirit that healed the blind guys got the other, those other kids delivered. The same Spirit that, that, that protected Rahab from, from destruction. Father, you are the same. Holy Spirit, you are the same and you are here in our midst to help people. To lay hold and to believe what you have promised. Thank you, Father. You're able to make us stand. You are able to get us into the place where we ought to be. And we say with the Lord Jesus that no one can pluck us from our Father's hand. You are able to sustain us, to keep us from drifting, from falling, from backing away. By your grace. Lord, we believe in you today. We believe in your mighty power. We believe in your great love that it's here to stay all of our days. We honor you. We bless you.